Good morning. As we walk through this holiday season together, we're going to remember and celebrate some things. Uh, first and foremost, we're going to remember and celebrate Jesus Christ himself. We, we will never fully understand, uh, no, there's no way to totally comprehend the beauty or the, the mystery of the Incarnation. But the more that we study it, the more we meditate on it, the more we focus on it, the more we can understand. And every year when we come back around to do this and throughout the year when we keep coming back to this idea that God became man and lived for a while among us and, and all the things that came out of that, the more we not only do understand a little bit more, but we stand in awe. We're also going to remember and celebrate some things that he expects from us responsibilities that he has for us. See, Jesus was and always will be the ultimate word of God, the ultimate way that God communicates with us. Jesus and only Jesus is the only begotten son of God, the one true son of God who's actually part of the Godhead. Jesus is the only true savior. He himself claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. He claimed to be the light of the world. And he will always be love incarnate with a capital L and a capital I in ways that we will never, ever be able to be. And yet, Jesus himself also said that we are the light of the world. And he left us in charge of building his kingdom when he returned to heaven. We are love incarnate with a small l and a small i on earth today. When people think about God and love, they're looking primarily at us. And that is a scary responsibility as well as an exciting one. The logo that we're going to be using this time, if you can't see it, just, just wait a second, you'll see it, but there's a lion and a lamb superimposed. There's several reasons. I'll share just a couple of reasons why we're using those images throughout this series. And one of them is this. Um, whenever you see lions in the scripture, they always represent power and fierceness and bravery, or maybe not bravery, but a willingness to fight. Maybe, maybe just that we should stick with fierceness. But lions are used to, to represent everything from Jesus himself to the devil himself, and specific people and specific groups of soldiers and individuals throughout different stories. But whenever you see a lion, whether it's the lion of Judah, Jesus in Revelation, or some other, some other lion, what you see is something that's powerful and kind of awesome, creates awe, creates wonder, but also a little bit scary. There's some distance there. You kind of have to back off, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. And there's so much of all of that in the Christmas story, and there's so much of all of that in the gospel, and how we have to start when we relate to God. The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and the lion represents the wonder and the awesomeness that's in all of this. You also see lambs even more, way more than there are lions. You see lambs throughout the scripture. And they sometimes represent purity or holiness or meekness or a bunch of things. But one of the common threads, the common thread of lambs throughout the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, all the way to the very last chapters of Revelation is this. It's a sense of responsibility. You have to take care of lambs. You have to feed them, water them. You have to lead them around. You have to protect them. You have to go and find them when they get lost. 
they were used as sacrifices. They were used as pledges to cement a covenant or, or a promise. There, there was always something to do with responsibility. And this was never more true when than when Jesus himself became the ultimate lamb of God who took the responsibility for our sins, for what we deserved, and he made the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be free. So you might say that the lion represents the awe of Christmas and the lamb represents the awe of Christmas. That was just a freebie there. You got that. (laughs) But you see both of these in this story. You see it everywhere. And if you're paying attention, you're going to be put in awe. You're going to be put in wonder. And you're also going to be inspired to do more than you've ever done if you just approach all of these ideas one more time with wide open eyes. Just think about the story. You see some terrified, very, 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 very scared newlyweds with an unimaginable responsibility. Taking care of the only son of God. Just think about that for just a second. I don't know if you've ever babysat or had your own children or been in charge of anybody's kids in any capacity here at the church or otherwise. Can you imagine being the foster parents of God's son? There's some awe there. There's some absolute terror there. You talk about responsibility. You talk about some awe, some cuteness. You've got it all. You see shepherds, actual literal shepherds, and literal sheep are in this story. And they're treated with more honor than they ever got normally. In fact, more honor than anybody gets ever, unless God himself is at work in the situation. And you see the heavenly host of angels all throughout the Old Testament when it talks about the heavenly hosts. It's talking about the armies of God. It's talking about the the fierce warrior angels. Sometimes they're also messengers, but these are scary dudes. Whenever they show up, the first thing they always have to say is, don't be afraid. Whole armies of these things. And in fact, God identifies himself, especially throughout the Old Testament, as the Lord of hosts or the God of heaven's armies. The Lord of heaven's armies, the commander of heaven's armies. And yet in this story, you not only get to, some human beings get to see them, they get to see something nobody else sees except at that one moment. And these are all these fierce warriors singing, singing to God, singing to shepherds. It's crazy. Now I know there are angels who sing in heaven. Maybe I misunderstand this. I'm not infallible, but I'm pretty sure these are the warriors. As I read this, these are, the, these are the angels. It's the hosts of heaven, but they're singing. I'm sure the choir angels are in there too, but there's something pretty amazing going on at this spot. You also see terrible things. You see Herod and some other terrible people. We see selfish and ruthless people that murder hundreds of small children to protect their power in the middle of this story. And we also see rich, wise men that travel for over a year to honor one small child. And we see that God, in his infinite wisdom, had been working on this amazing plan for a really, really long time. Roughly 700 years before Jesus showed up on earth, the prophet Isaiah wrote this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So as we remember and celebrate together during this season, we're going to explore what each one of these names And not just so that we can have a good definition of them or understand why Jesus is called this, but much more importantly, these names, these titles are given to Jesus so that we can call on him in these ways. So beginning with the term wonderful counselor, we want to be, we're going to explore exactly what these things mean. And he will be called wonderful counselor. What, what exactly can we expect about that? How does that help us know Jesus and who he is better? How does that help us connect with him? What does he do for us? What does he want us to do for him since he is our wonderful counselor? Well, here's where it starts. And if you like to take notes, this is where you can write down your first word in the bulletin thing. And if not, all these bold letters are the scriptures that I use in here and often several more that they're just I hope that you take home. I hope that you read them alone with God. But we're just going to jump right in. Wonderful means miraculous, supernatural. Uh, These days we overuse the word wonderful and awesome and fantastic and amazing. We, We talk about, we use these words to describe YouTube videos of cats and things like that. Okay? But the the term wonderful, the term wonderful, especially in the Old Testament, this specific term in in Hebrew that we translate into English as wonderful, it doesn't have anything to do with really cool or really funny or, hey, you got to see this. This is is actually worth taking a few minutes. This is something that is about, it's it's unbelievable. It's incomprehensible. It's so awe-inspiring, so mind-blowing that it could not happen unless God himself himself is present in this situation. When something is called wonderful in the Old Testament, it's, it's got something to do with the power, the glory of God. So if Jesus is called wonderful counselor, it's not just that he's an exceptionally good counselor. He is a counselor on a level that can only happen if God himself is in the mix. It's, it's, it's a kind of whatever he's going to do as our counselor is something that is going to blow your mind. It's power that you can't have on a human level. It's something that's going on that could not happen unless a miracle happened. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. This is the word that they used in Exodus 15 when they were singing to God right after they crossed through the Red Sea and their enemies were vanquished. And this whole great big, you've heard that story, and here's part of the song they sang. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor. See, awesome in there? It's saying that this is not just like awesome. This is they're, they're, they're in awe here. How awe, holiness, awesome and splendor, performing great wonders. Same word. It's the term that Ethan the Ezraite used when he wrote Psalm 89. Here's a segment from Psalm 89. All heaven will praise your great wonders, Lord. Myriads of angels will praise you for your faithfulness. For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround his throne. O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. Isaiah himself uses this term later in Isaiah 28, 29. 
I'd like you to actually read this one with me because this ties right in with the key part that we just said. The Lord of heaven's armies is a wonderful teacher, and he gives the farmer great wisdom. It's interesting that he's talking about a farmer and all the, all the cool imagery that Jesus uses about growing his kingdom. We've been over a lot of that recently. I won't go through it all this morning, but I hope that you see that. I also hope that you see that the wisdom of God, the supernatural wisdom of even something as simple as seriously, if you take this little thing and you put it in the ground, it's going to grow something amazing and feed your family. That's, that's something that's pretty miraculous if you think about it. All right. But not only is God blessing this, but this is the Lord of heaven's armies. And he's the kind of teacher, the kind of counselor that is on a level that can only happen if, if it's God himself. Proverbs eleven fourteen though, I'm sorry, not, we're not quite there. Counselor. Let's talk about what it means to be a counselor. Counselor here again, it, it, when we think about counseling, counseling is a great thing. The, the professional counseling, um, non-professional as in nobody gets paid, but somebody knows what they're doing and counsels you. Just a really good friend who's willing to listen hopefully point you to what the Bible actually says about this situation. Counseling can be one of the most powerful things in our lives. But this word means even more than that. This is someone who has made some sort of a, a commitment to you. This is not just somebody that you visit periodically and they have all these other people in their lives. When, when it talks, this term counselor, when it says he is a wonderful counselor, this is someone who is standing up for you. He is committed to you. This is someone who is an advisor, a mentor, a comforter, an advocate. All of these ideas are all tied up in this one idea of being a counselor. He's also a mentor and a guide. And on all of these things, there are ways that we can help each other. We have responsibilities to do these things. And then there are other ways where only Jesus himself is the wonderful counselor. Let's take a moment and look at some of the things that we can also do. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. That's a kind of counseling. That, that's the kind of thing that Jesus does for us. But we need a bunch of them if they're all human beings. And by the way, let me throw this out. This applies to people who give you advice that are human beings and also God himself. It only helps if you take the advice. Just throwing that out. Just having somebody willing to give you advice won't really help that much. You might feel a little bit better in the moment, but it's not going to help otherwise. John 14. This is Jesus himself talking. And he says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, same word, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. What a beautiful moment right here. Jesus himself is revealing himself as part of the Godhead. This is a moment where you see all three, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit all right here in one moment. Jesus is talking about the Father and how he's not going to leave, abandon them when Jesus leaves them. 
And he says, he's saying, I am here, right here with you, and I'm going to send someone who's going to be inside of you. James MacDonald writes this, The wisdom of Jesus Christ applied to your life is like nothing else. It is supernaturally insightful. You can't get it from any other source. You can't afford to be making decisions without a guiding word from the miraculous counselor. And you can't call him wonderful counselor if you don't embrace his wisdom for your salvation, for your family, for your finances, for your future, for everything. I'm going to read that one more time, just this last part. You can't call him wonderful counselor if you don't embrace his wisdom for your salvation, your family, your finances, your future, your everything. Jesus wants to be intimately involved and fully present in every aspect of our lives. This is what he promised in the Great Commission when he said, as you're building my kingdom, you're going, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded. I will be with you always. He promised that this would happen. He also, this is exactly what the incarnation was about all along. And it always was. Not just Isaiah, but other prophets. So many other things were prophesied so that we'd know who the Messiah was when he showed up. Zechariah wrote this, Shout and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Would you take just a moment and just think about this one more time? God among us? God living among us in a physical form? The creator becoming part of his creation? The ultimate father becoming the ultimate one and only son? It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's awesome. Joseph Benson wrote, the union of two such different natures, he's talking about God and human. The union of two such different natures in one individual, intelligent, and self-conscious being is a great and incomprehensible mystery. But let's talk about just so we can get our hearts and our, not just our brains, but our hearts and our lives around this. Let's, let's explore this idea of incarnation just a little bit more and try to make it a little bit simpler so that we can all do this. Because it is possible. We can never do any of the things that are unique to just Jesus because he is just Jesus. And yet he has commanded us to do many of the things that he did because he is Jesus and he told us to do it. And now we are this. So how do we become love incarnate? How do we become the children of God? How does this look? What is this like? Let's talk about incarnation for a second. Incarnation basically just means this. It's a tangible repre representation of a concept or a deity. Incarnation is a tangible representation of a concept or a deity. This is why God hates idols so much. Because when there's a tangible thing in the room, you're drawn to it. If something's invisible and something's right there, even if the invisible thing is way better, it's, it's why, why it's so much easier to eat a donut today than work out every day and not eat the donut. You know what I'm talking about? The tangible thing is right there. 
God knows this. But that's the heart of why he wanted to be among us, to be God with us, to be Emmanuel, to be love incarnate. That's what he's asking us to do. One of the reasons, one of the many reasons, actually, that the movie Star Wars became such an unbelievable hit back in the 70s was because it was the first movie that really, really, really strategically leveraged toys. A lot of people don't realize this, but not only were people going back and back and back to watch this movie over and over, they're just blown away by how different everything was, the mythical kind of aspects of the story, the, the special effects that had never been done before. There were so many other things. They also could take the characters home. Check this out. I was in Papua New Guinea, y'all. And I got Luke Skywalker, the original one. This is that. This is what you see. This is it. And I still have it today. And, and why? Well, I'll tell you. Yeah, it's a cool movie in that. But when you've got this in your hand, you get to make Luke Skywalker do whatever you want. Right? And that's, again, why God hates idols so much. Because you can say, well, I know God doesn't like lying, but Luke Skywalker thinks it's okay. Are you with me? When we start building something else in our own image, it's crazy. As the story progressed, um, the, the toys got better, um, and so did Luke himself and the other characters in the story. They got to be more um, better people in many ways, at least. And this is something that, that we can all aspire to. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. Part of why Star Wars is still around is not only did they keep making movies, but they kept making these toys. They kept getting, people expected the toys took on a whole life of their own. People collect those. Some, some of them don't even like the movie that much. They just know the toys are valuable. You with me? It, it, it became this whole thing. Maybe that doesn't make as much sense to you guys as it does to me, but let me try this. It's the same, this idea of incarnation, the kind that we can aspire to. It's, it's basically just putting flesh and bone on the truths that God wants us to live out. It's just us actually doing it. It's us obeying his commandments. It's us taking the advice of the wise counselor. When we make it part of our lives, when we actually do it, people can see that. I can describe Luke Skywalker, but if I move him around like this, you, you, you actually see something. And when, when they see us moving around and doing the things that God tells us to do, it makes a difference. Having some sort of any visual helps a lot. This is why Paul used an altar to an unknown God to, as a starting point to some people who worship many gods. He wanted to tell them about the one true God. He started there. Jesus spoke in parables, used word pictures and actual props. Same reason. And we must serve as love incarnate until he returns. What are some ways we can do this? This is pretty neat how this worked out. This is a verse we read in a completely different con context last week. But look at the, let's read it together now. Colossians 3, verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 16. Colossians 3, 16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Let's read these next words of Jesus together as well. This is coming from John 13, 35. 
Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I hope this is making sense. We can actually do this. This is something we can do. We can actually give people a visual illustration, help them experience in tangible ways everything that God is telling us about and wanting us to do. We can be love incarnate. Except there are still things that only Jesus can do. Only his Holy Spirit as an advocate inside of us. There are still some ways that only our miraculous mediator can help us with. And our miraculous mediator is always with us. He promised that he would be with us in the Great Commission. He made the once and for all sacrifice as both high priest and the ultimate Lamb of God. And he continues to intercede for us. He continues to be our advocate. He continues to be our mediator. He continues to be our champion. He continues to be there for us, talking to us, talking to God on our behalf. And so does the Holy Spirit. This continues in now in ways that are more miraculous, more wonderful than even being able to physically talk to Jesus was. I can't get my brain around that, but it's true. How do we ever take this for granted? Hebrews 4.15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Romans 8, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. I don't know about you, but this is one of the most powerful things that I've actually truly experienced in my relationship with God. It's the times in my life when I was so broken, so lost, so just... Words are one of my things, but there's just nothing left. I got nothing. I don't even know what to pray or what to pray about. And I literally just say, Holy Spirit, pray for me. But in those moments, I sense, I've experienced that there there is someone in between. There is someone right there in the moment. There is someone that is love incarnate in a way that no human being could ever be. There's a story told about a Union soldier whose father and his brother both died. Kind of a real-life Saving Private Ryan situation. His, his sister and his mom were left alone to, to work the farm during the war. So he went and he was trying to get a hold of President Lincoln and talk directly to him. And he tried every, all the channels that he could. Nothing was working. He actually went to the White House and the guards stopped him. It was a whole lot less stringent back then than it is now. He wouldn't have got even close these days. But he got pretty much up to the White House and, and still nothing. And, and they kept telling him, the president's a busy man. You're just a soldier. There's nothing. You, we, we can't do anything for you. He, dejectedly, he goes and he's sitting on a park bench nearby and a little boy comes up says what's wrong mister starts talking to him he's trying to explain little boy goes well maybe I can help he said I don't know about that but I don't know what to lose the boy takes him by the hand starts leading him takes him right to the White House they walk right past all the guards they walk right down the hallway and right into the president's oval office the Secretary of State and Abraham Lincoln are working on some plans. They, they just look up. Abraham says, hey, Todd, who's your friend? 
And right then and there, the man got his, his waiver, got his position to, to get out of the war and with honorable discharge to go help his family since the rest of the men in the family had gotten killed. Why? Not because he was so worthy. He was. Not because of anything else except that the son of the president himself, who had total access, took him there. This is what Jesus does in a way that only Jesus can do. And it's also what he's asking us to do in ways that only his children on earth, only those who are now his love incarnate can do. This is what we are asked to do for all the people who don't know Jesus yet. Say, hey, maybe I can help. Let me lead you to my dad. It's that simple. It's that powerful. This morning... Our invitation song is actually going to be sung for us. And I hope that as you listen, that you connect with these ideas and that you're able to meditate on it, you're able to pray, and also respond. Uh, It's a song from the perspective of Mary. And some of the words are specifically about her, but this experience that she's describing, the way she's interacting with God as her wonderful counselor is universal. It applies to all of us. Some of the lyrics could be any of us at any moment in our lives. And I ask you this morning that as you listen, to just let your heart commune with God, to to talk to the wonderful counselor about whatever you need to make. And if he's telling you to do something, take his advice. I already know a couple of people are going to make a decision today. They've already spoken a lot to my dad and a little bit to me. So while the song's going, go ahead and come. That'll be great. Just come right on down. And if anybody else, if God's telling you to give your life to him today, surrender to him completely through baptism and give your entire life to him, please do that. If you'd like to join our church, please go ahead and come forward. This is it. This is you singing. Um, if, if whatever God is putting on your heart today, would you please, as we, as we listen to this song, would you please listen? Would you do? Would you take his advice? That's what I asked this morning. Must I walk this path of 
my darkness pour over me your holiness for you are holy breath of For you 